In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Over my desk at home, I have a hand-tinted picture of my grandfather, who died 16 years ago at the ripe young age of 89. It's one of those old, slightly fuzzy crosses between a portrait and a photograph, with its sharp edges softened, smoothed over. His face is in a perfect profile. You see the smooth, perfect skin of a nine-year-old boy with thick reddish hair and a faint pink blush on his left cheek. What you don't see from this angle is the deep, dark purple splotch, the birthmark that stretched across the right side of his face and was so much a part of him. It's erased. It's missing in this image. There's a lot more you can't see in the picture, of course. So much that life would write on his face over the next seven decades. His father's death just a few few years later. His marriage to my smart, beautiful, feisty, complicated grandmother. And his devoted care for her when Alzheimer's set in. What you don't see in this image is how he would gather our extended family together for meals that, apart from a quite impressive dessert table, we grandchildren found tedious and so, so, so long. So long, in fact, that we eventually fled under the table to play and our parents let us, which tells you how long those meals were. What you don't see in the picture is how he loved genealogy and wanted to pass down the family stories that he dug up and was so excited about, while our eyes glazed over in disinterest. And what you don't see is my regret about that now. How I wish I could try again. How I wish I could see him again and say, thank you, thank you. Maybe I will. I believe in the resurrection after all, but let me be clear. I'm not looking for an easy way out resurrection. I've got little interest in a new life that replaces the old. I want the whole shebang, the whole person, the whole face that I knew. And I am holding out for the resurrection that we are promised on Easter and in today's gospel. Resurrection that is so powerful and mysterious that it does not need to erase or forget or replace anything, but can redeem 
everything. Resurrection that takes all our sorrows and losses and regrets and transforms them, includes and integrates them, and breathes new life into them. I'm convinced that that's what Thomas was holding out for, too, in today's gospel. When the risen Jesus appeared to the other disciples and showed them his hands and his side, Thomas wasn't with them. And Thomas wanted to see the risen Christ himself. Thomas needed to know that this was the same Jesus that he had known that he had seen wounded, executed, and buried. The same Jesus that he and the other disciples had abandoned. The same Jesus he had misunderstood and let down, and whose forgiveness he longed for. Like anyone who has lost a loved one, like many of you, Thomas wasn't content with a second-hand report or a doctrine of resurrection or a dream or a lovely idea or a good feeling or even a powerful memory of Jesus. Thomas wanted Jesus himself. Thomas wanted the Jesus he had known in a particular way, in the body. And that is who comes to him the Jesus he knew, crucified and risen. My Lord and my God, Thomas utters in shock and in wonder, sheer wonder. Because this is all so impossible. This is so completely new. It's both spirit and body. It's divine and human, living and dead and resurrected all at once. It's so ordinary. Christ still bears those hard-to-look-at wounds, and he eats and drinks and talks like he used to. And it is so extraordinary because... Well, he died, and now he's risen, and he's breathing the Holy Spirit on his disciples as God breathed life into Adam at the very beginning. At the very beginning. You remember the beginning, right? The beginning of the Gospel of John? The beginning of the Gospel In the beginning, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And that Word, that same eternal Word, became flesh and dwelled among us. That's how the Gospel begins, and that's how the Gospel ends, with the Word becoming flesh. The story of the resurrection, you see, is the story of the incarnation. The ending is the beginning, is the ending and the beginning again. 
The story of the resurrection is the story, the same story of God's love, God's very self becoming embodied in this world. In these flesh and blood bodies, in our corporate bodies of family, community, humankind, in the body of this earth, and most of all, in the body of Christ. In the body of Christ, in Jesus Christ, in his birth and his life and ministry, in his crucifixion and his death and his resurrection, the body becomes the site of redemption. The body becomes the site of redemption. That's a phrase that I picked up in a book by Lynn Castile Harper called On Vanishing, and it's about mortality and dementia. The body becomes the site of redemption, she says, and that means that redemption is not about escaping the body. Neither this individual body nor our corporate bodies, as messy as they can be. It's not about escaping those bodies into this pristine, separate, superior realm of the mind. The mind, as we are understanding more and more these days, isn't separate from the body anyway. And our bodies aren't separate either. Our bodies are not isolated individual entities that have no relationship, no connection to other bodies. Redemption, meaning, memory, they reside in the body also and do not depend on the ability of our mind to grasp them and they are not defeated by death. It is Christ's body, that is, his flesh and blood and mind, his relationships, his words and deeds and their impact. It is his body that is the place of resurrection and that in the resurrection becomes the locus of this new mysterious unity, this Reconciliation between life and death, heaven and earth, the embodied and the eternal, between my body and yours, perpetrators and victims, the living and the dead. And that changes everything, doesn't it? That changes everything that changes how we see and approach and care for the body, our own bodies, other people's bodies, bodies that can't speak for themselves, dead and dying bodies, the body of the earth and the bodies of all its creatures. That changes how we see and approach and care for the body of Christ, that is the church and the sacrament, and this gathering, 
all of you and one another. When the body becomes the site of redemption, it changes how we relate to matter altogether and to the material world. No longer as a limited resource that we use against each other, that we use for power, but as a gift and a means of communion. Ordinary things, ordinary bodies, bread and wine become a means for holy communion. We, my friends, have been redeemed. We have been reborn in Christ's body, in the fellowship of Christ's body, as we prayed in our opening collect. Grant, O Lord, we pray, that we may then show forth in our lives, in our bodies, what we profess, the resurrection we profess by our faith. And Granddaddy, thank you.